Thanks for checking out this message from Coastal Community Church. We hope it's helpful and encouraging. All right, Coastal, good morning. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Coastal Community Church. I'm Pastor Chris Rollins. Thank you so much uh, for joining us today. Uh, first of all, um, I just have I have a special announcement actually that I want to make. Uh, it's a brand new uh, announcement. If you tuned in a little bit early to our little pre-service experience, um, I announced it there, and I announced it our, to our VIP group uh, this morning. All of our wonderful volunteers. But next Sunday. Uh, from 9.15 till 12 noon, uh, we're having an open house, an open house. Now, not here. You're like, well, Pastor Chris, we've been coming here for a while. No, not here. We're ha- our Coastal Kids Children's Ministry uh, is having an open house across the street at Orange Grove Middle School. Because when construction begins on our new facility, uh, that's where our children's ministry is going to be meeting. And it doesn't start next Sunday, uh, but this coming Saturday, uh, our Portable Church, the group that we've been working with, uh, preparing uh, for this uh, to happen, uh, is going to be be here to train uh, those of you who are interested in joining our Coastal Kids setup team. We're going to be setting up next Saturday morning from 8 a.m. until 11. Now, normally it's not going to take that long, uh, but there's a training and orientation for all those who are going to be a part of the setup team. So that's on Saturday, and then on Sunday from 9.15 until noon, uh, right after the service, you can go across the street. Even for those of you who are watching online, and maybe you're not comfortable yet coming here, uh, but you could actually come during the service while we're in here and go check out the new facility or the, that what that's going to look like. And uh, we're really excited about it because we've really gone above and beyond to try to create uh, the same level of excellence that you expect for your children over in our Coastal Kids building to happen across the street over at Orange Grove Middle School. And I'm hoping if at the end of this coming week uh, that we'll have some exciting announcements to be made about our permitting and uh, when construction will actually begin. So that's next Sunday, open house. Now, first of all, I just want to say this this morning uh, before I jump into today's message, though. I want to thank everybody uh, for doing your part and uh, trying to do the right thing as together we all grow through this pandemic. Um, Just like we said at the very beginning when all this started, uh, it continues to be a very fluid situation, and uh, things seem to be changing daily. And as a church, trust me, uh, we are praying every day about our response uh, and our actions. Now, For those of you who are comfortable uh, being in here in person, uh, thank you. You know, thank you for masking up. Thank you for socially distancing yourself. Uh, Thank you for bearing with us through all the changes and the challenges of in-person worship. Now, for those of you uh, who are not comfortable yet joining us in person, uh, thank you for tuning in each week online and staying engaged. I sincerely mean that. And, and for all of us, remember, you know, if you're sick, if you're vulnerable, if you're immunocompromised, if you're caring for those who are, uh, for right now, please stay home and uh, watch our services online. But don't just watch online. Again, stay engaged online. But this is for everyone. Okay, listen to this. And, and I would probably say this is especially uh, for those of you uh, who are home right now and have been home for a long time uh, watching our services online. If you are in need, please reach out. You know, if, if you need anything, let us know about it. 
on our website, on our missions page, there's actually a get help form where you could just fill that out and request things like um, assistance, picking up groceries. If you're in need of food, if you're in need of urgent supplies, uh, maybe you just like a, you know, a pastoral phone call, a prayer request, anything. Uh, in fact, right now we're going to drop that link uh, online so that you could find it easily. Again, Coastal, we are not just going to you know, get through something. We're not going to get through this. I believe that we're going to grow through this. And together, we're going to come out better on the other side. Whether we are, you know, no matter where we meet, right? I mean, whether we are scattered, gathered, in person, or online. Sounds a little bit like a, uh, a Waffle House order of hash browns, doesn't it? You know, I'll take mine scattered and gathered, right? For, raise your hand if you, if you, you know what I'm talking about. You've been to a Waffle House, right? There's a few of you who've never been, that slice of Americana you've never experienced. Um, so, all that said, finally, now let's jump into part two uh, of our Undivided series. You know, I guess after uh, 30 years now of being the pastor here at Coastal, and I would say having seen and heard just about everything, there are times when I can probably still be a, a little naive and need to be reminded just how charged and tense this subject of, of race can be for people. So I want everybody to do Pastor Chris a favor, okay? First of all, please show me the same amount of grace that you would like to be afforded. You know, it's possible and quite right, you know, quite probable that I'm going to say some things that, uh, that bother you a little bit, you know, that make you uncomfortable. In fact, you know, if you come to Coastal, that's probably true on any given Sunday, right? They call me PC around here, but I'm not exactly politically correct, okay? It doesn't stand for that. Pastor Chris. Um, but by the way, I believe that that's actually the truth of Scripture, that that's exactly what the Bible is supposed to do for all of us, make us uncomfortable, bother us, push us toward uh, holiness, in fact, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says it this way. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong. It teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. In fact, Hebrews tells us that the word of God is much like a double-edged sword. Uh, James tells us that it's like a mirror that looks into our souls. So my challenge for all of us, myself included, is to let the word of God do its intended work work. Now, for some of you, I'm going to say too much. For others, I'm not going to say enough. You know, there's no way in three weeks and three sermons that I'm going to address every angle of this issue. In fact, I half-jokingly uh, sent uh, this text message to several of my pastor friends uh, this past week. Here's what I said. I think I must have slept through that class in Bible college, leading a church through a global pandemic, racial tension, political hatred, and an economic recession all at the same time. Whew. So give me grace. And then here's what I want to ask you to do as well. Can you just set aside some of your own political biases 
and simply look at this issue or any issue with me through the lens of being a follower of Jesus and through the lens of Scripture. Because as followers of Christ, listen to me, that is what we are called to do. Racism is not a political issue. It's not simply a black and white issue. It is a sin problem. And don't forget that Satan, our true enemy, will use anything or anyone to divide and conquer his people. And that is what he is doing with this issue. So with all that in mind, let's jump in. Last week, I introduced the theme verse uh, for this series, Micah 6.8, and we talked about justice, right? Doing the right thing. Compassion, move to action. Micah 6.8 says this, No, O people, the Lord has told you what is good, and this is what he requires of you. To do what is right, to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Now notice, first of all, that we're not supposed to just you know, live with a little bit of mercy on occasion. He actually says we're supposed to what mercy? We're supposed to love mercy. In other words, as people of God, as followers of Jesus, we're to be saturated with it. We're to be known for it. By the way, I, th- I know this is a little bit weird, but uh, when I hear the word mercy, I instinctively think of two things from my childhood, okay? Uh, how many of you remember the old superhero show, Flash Gordon? Flash Gordon, the black and white version. Now, they made fun of me uh, during sermon run-through this week thinking, well, Pastor Chris is so old, he, doesn't, you know, he, he didn't grow up with color television. That's not true. It's just on, on, during the weekday after school, they would have these classic black and white shows like Tarzan and Superman and, and Flash Gordon, Little Rascals, all that. But the villain, the villain in the show, um, Flash Gordon was known as Ming the what? Anybody remember? Ming the Merciless. Ming, I'm the, only, I'm, I'm the only old person here, right? But what a great villain. Ming the Merciless. Because everybody knows that if you, you, know, if you want anything in this world, you've got to take it, right? No mercy. So that's the first thing that kind of weirdly pops into my mind when I think about mercy. The other thing that comes to my mind is this. How many of you remember playing the mercy game during middle school, right? The mercy game, you know what I'm talking about, right? It's the ultimate guy game. Played at bus stops and playgrounds at recess worldwide. Uh, The games that I grew up with were uh, dodgeball, pencil wars, and mercy Okay. Now, mercy is where two guys would lock hands, and then they would try to what? Bend the other person's hands backwards until he shouted what in pain? Mercy. In other words, you don't show mercy until somebody begs for mercy, right? Now, I think that's exactly why this concept today is so countercultural for us. Love mercy. Because it goes against the grain of everything in our culture and everything in our nature. If you want something, you power up, you look out for yourself, you take it. No mercy. 
The Hebrew word here for love mercy is rich in meaning. It's translated as tender mercy, loving kindness, loyalty, steadfast love. It's the idea of of showing compassionate, warm-heartedness. It's actually having the ability to pass judgment, but instead offering forgiveness or pardon. When used to describe God, it refers to his loyal love, his unexpected kindness toward those who have done nothing to deserve it. And again, as followers of God, as as followers of Jesus, we are called to this same kind, this same level of tender, loving mercy as well. In fact, in Luke 6.36, Jesus said, Be merciful just as who? Your Father is merciful. In fact, in the Sermon on the Mount, okay, this is like, this is Jesus' first public message, right? He begins his ministry, the Sermon on the Mount, and he begins the Sermon on the Mount with what we now know, what we call the Beatitudes. And in Matthew 5, 7, Jesus said this, blessed, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Jesus says, blessed. Now, this is gonna blow some of your minds, God wants to bless your life. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter how far away from him you think you've traveled, God wants to bless your life. Now how? He wants to bless your life by having a relationship with you. He wants to bless your life by showing you a better way to live, by giving you everything that you might need. He wants to bless your life. It's as though God is standing on the edge of heaven, poised and ready to pour out more blessings than you could ever imagine on your life. But the question for all of us is, will we live the kind of life that God can bless? And so on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus turns everything upside down and he tells us how to live this life that God blesses. He gives us kind of like the keys to the blessed life. And one of the ways that he says that we are to live, one of the ways that God blesses is that we live merciful lives, that we love mercy. In fact, notice that the mercy we receive from God is in direct, direct proportion to the mercy that we give to other people. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm in desperate, constant need of God's mercy. So how are you doing in this area? Do you default to harshness and judgmentalism? Or does mercy flow through you? And in your everyday relationships, do you really care about people like Jesus does? Am I, you know, constantly irritated when I see people's needs? Or am I moved to be merciful? Am I showing loving kindness in all my relationships? And, you know, the point of this series is, am I showing it to the hurting in my community? Am I showing it to the neglected? Am I showing it to the people who look different than I do, have a different experience than I have? And then here's the real kicker. Am I showing it to people whether or not they deserve it? Because the last time I checked, I fall miserably short of deserving God's mercy, and so do you. And and if, if our brothers and sisters of color 
are hurting or in need, then as followers of Jesus, we, we should be leading the way in showing mercy. And by the way, are we not mature enough or discerning enough or more importantly, merciful enough that we can say black lives matter. The lives of black people matter without supporting the political organization of Black Lives Matter. I think we can. I think we can. Listen, of course all lives matter. But, you know, if one of my children is hurting or in need of tender mercy or loving kindness or practical assistance in the moment, you know, I don't have to preface it every time by saying, now Lydia... That's my daughter. Now, Lydia, I know you're hurting right now. I know you're upset. I know you're in need. I love you, but don't forget, I love your brother too. Okay, I don't have to do that. No parent has to. My point is, listen, church, believers, do not let the evil one divert, distract, or divide us to the point where we turn this issue or any issue into a political issue a biblical one. You know, Jesus loving mercy and loving kindness into a political issue. So, practically speaking, what does mercy look like in the everyday life of a follower of Jesus? Let me give you four. Four practical ways this plays itself out. Four marks of the merciful. Number one, they're patient with the different and the difficult. They're patient with the different and the difficult. Now, what do I mean by that? First of all, let me say this. We're all different. We're all different. Uh, and from time to time, guess what? We can all be difficult. Now, different. Different's good, right? I mean, variety is good. Different cultures, different experiences, different backgrounds. That's the beauty of this world. And by the way, that is supposed to be the beauty of the body of Christ. But difficult that's a whole nother level, isn't it? I mean, how do you handle obnoxious people? How do you handle difficult people? What's the Bible say? 1 Thessalonians 5.14 says this, Brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy, encourage those who are timid, take tender care of those who are weak, and be patient with who? What's it say? Be patient with who? Everyone. Wow. What a challenge. Are you patient with everyone? I know I'm not. But the Bible says if I'm to receive mercy, if I'm to be blessed, then I've got to learn to be patient with those who are different from me and even those who are difficult. Now, here's one of the things that I'm learning about being patient with people. Okay, One of the first steps is to simply listen to and learn their story. Their story. By the way, that's how friendships start. Friendships. And ultimately, it is the experience of friendship that changes people. Facts don't change people. Friendships do. And please, please stop saying this. Well, I know plenty of black people. 
I work with lots of black people, or anybody else, by the way, anybody else different from you, because you kind of sound like a, a horror movie. I see black people. Okay, listen, proximity, you got to hear this. Proximity is not the same as friendship. Acquaintances are not the same as friendship. It's friendships that change the world. You know, sometimes the reason people might come across as difficult to you is simply just because of their background. You know, look at where they came from. You know, when you, when you take a minute to learn somebody's story and you get to know where they came from, instead of always saying, man, look at how far they have to go, you're able to say, man, look at how far they've come. And this, this, makes a, this makes you and I a little bit more patient because then we begin to see beneath the external behavior of the person and we begin to see sometimes maybe some internal struggle, some internal pain, difficulty, because behind almost every difficult behavior is some kind of internal pain, some kind of loneliness, some kind of hurt where that, that God says that we gotta look at and be patient with. Romans 15, 7 says, therefore accept each other just as Christ has accepted you so that God will be given glory. Let me ask, are you a difficult person sometimes? You bet you are. But did God accept you? Absolutely. So he says we've got to accept people. Be patient with them. By the way, I'm not talking about, you know, excusing sinful behavior. I'm not making excuses for evil. That's not what I'm saying here. What I'm saying here is that merciful people are not quick to criticize or judge, realizing that hurtful people sometimes are just hurting people. And they take the time to look past that and to learn people's stories so that they can be patient. Do you want people to be patient with you? Number two, forgive the fallen. Forgive the fallen. Listen, everybody's gonna mess up in life, me and you included. Nobody is perfect. And so when people make mistakes, how then do you react? You know, when people let you down, do you hold it over their head for the rest of their lives and never let them off the hook? By the way, which, that, that's what you know, just kills me about this whole cancel, cancel culture that we find ourselves in. I mean, let me ask you a question. Do you want people digging up things that you said or you did in your high school, college, or early 20s? Are you not growing in process and are changing? I mean, who has the right to do that? Let me tell you something. That's the easy path to take. It's easy not to let people off the hook. It's easy to hold grudges. It's easy not to forgive. But there is power. There is power, real power in forgiveness. Colossians 3.13 says, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who, who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. But, you know, forgiveness, that's an interesting, tricky thing. We love to receive us some forgiveness, don't we? We love, we love to receive forgiveness. But then when we are called on to forgive others, it doesn't feel so good anymore, does it? And we're like, you know, I really don't want to be merciful here. I want justice. 
Have you ever had somebody take uh, pictures of yourself and the whole time you're looking at them afterwards, you're not satisfied? I mean, you don't like them. Uh, you know, I don't like, uh, and everybody else says, oh, they look great, they look great. And you say, well, they just don't do me what? Justice. And the photographer is saying, you don't want justice, buddy. You want mercy, okay? Right? I don't know about you, but I don't want justice. I want mercy, You don't want justice, God's justice, because if you want justice for other people, you better be prepared to expect it for yourself. I want God's mercy. And so I should be a person who learns to offer that to others. The third mark of the merciful, they help those who are hurting. If you want to be a merciful person, then I help those who are hurting. Proverbs 3.27, do not withhold good from those when it's in your power to help them. I love how the, uh, the message paraphrases this. It says, never walk away from someone who deserves help. Your hand is God's hand for that person. We talk a lot here at Coastal, right, about being the hands and feet of Jesus. Well, mercy is practical assistance. Listen, there are people all around us in our community who are hurting in your workplace, where you go to school, where you live, work, parent, and play. There are people who are hurting. There are people in this room who are hurting. There are people who are watching this online right now. You're hurting. Let me tell you something. Just feeling sorry for people, that's not like being like Christ. It's when you're moved to action. You see, mercy is not pity. It's, it's Christ-like love in action. 1 John 3, 17 and 18 says this, if someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other, let's show the truth by our actions. Man, I don't know about you, but that verse just cuts me in my heart. You know, because how can the love of God be in me if I don't help people who are hurting? Just saying that we love people, feeling feeling sorry for other people, it's not enough. We have to show it. Now, obviously, you as an individual, you can't help everyone, but why not do for one what you wish you could do for many? I love this quote uh, from John Wesley. He said, do all the good that you can by all the means that you can in all the ways that you can and all the places you can and all the times you can to all the people you can for as long as you can. Do what you can. Remember the story of the uh, Good Samaritan? This guy was uh, beat up, mugged, and left for dead on the side of the road. And basically, the story goes that these two religious leaders walk by, two, you know, people of God, two pastors, if you will. And they saw this guy lying on the side of the road dying, and basically their response was, oh, I'm sorry that happened, but uh, I'm just too busy right now. I can't really get involved. I don't want to get my hands dirty. And then a third guy comes along, the Samaritan, and he takes action. Picks this guy up, takes him, you know, to a Holiday Inn Express, pulls out his MasterCard, says, hey, I'll take care of everything. That's mercy. But so often, and so often in the church, we're just bystanders. We're just observers of of people who are hurting. And Jesus is telling all of us, listen, blessed are those who care enough 
to do something about it, who care enough to get involved. There's another way we show mercy. Look at this next verse, Jude 1.22. Be merciful to those who doubt. The New Living Translation says, and you must show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. I don't know about you, but I see a lot of people in my life right now, people where I live, work, parent, and play, who are really hurting right now for one reason or another. And when they're hurting, their hurt causes them sometimes to doubt. And it leads you to say things like, you know, where is God? How come he's not listening? He doesn't even feel like he's here. Does he even exist? And if you've never had uh, doubts like that before, it's possible that you've never really experienced a lot of pain before. Because when you're in pain, you know what I'm talking about. So what is the Christ follower response to the people you know, around us when they're, when they're doubting. Listen, you don't debate them. You don't argue with them. You don't, you know, argue with them on social media. You don't demean them. You don't disown them or walk away from them. What you do is you show mercy. You're supportive. You're understanding. Show mercy to those who doubt to those who are in pain, prove that God exists, not by your words, but by your actions, by showing loving compassion. And then finally, the fourth mark of the merciful person is that they do good to their enemies. They do good to their enemies. Wow. I mean, you look at this little list here I've made. Man, this just keeps getting harder and harder, doesn't it? I mean, I gotta be patient with people who are different from me and even difficult. I gotta forgive people who mess up. I gotta help those who are hurting. And then, not just all that, this one probably you know, is the most difficult one of all. I gotta do good to my enemies. And yet, look what Jesus said. Luke 6. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. Jesus is basically calling everybody out saying, hey, woo, you did something good for somebody you like and somebody who's good for you? Woo, let's throw you a parade. He says even the worst of the worst do that. But then he goes on to say, but love your enemies. Do good to them. Then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be what? What's he say? Be merciful. Just as your Father is merciful. You see, if you want to be like God, if you claim to be a follower of Christ, then you're to do good to those who do evil to you. Be merciful. Now, that is the exact opposite of what the world says. The world says people hurt you, you hurt them back. People gossip about you, you talk about them. I mean, think about it. This week, at some point, where you live, work, parent, and play, you're going to see that person who gets on your ever-loving last nerve. Now, hopefully you're not sitting next to them right now, okay, or stuck at home in a quarantine with them, right? Um, but Jesus says part of living the blessed life 
is when possible, you do good to that person. You know, how would it be that every time they criticize you, you compliment them? Every time they put you down, you build them up. Why? Why would you even do that? Any of this? Because that is the life that Jesus says he blesses. And one day, we are all going to stand before God in need, in desperate need of his mercy. Now you look at this list. Where are you on this path? You know, in your own life, what do you need to work on a little bit? Being patient with those who are different than you? Listening to their story? You know, being patient with those who are difficult or obnoxious? Learning to forgive and no longer hold it over people's heads? To forgive people? Helping the hurting in our community? And doing good to your enemies? You know, Jesus was the ultimate example of mercy. He chooses to extend mercy when he and he alone could give us what we deserve. He is patient with the different and the difficult. He forgives the fallen. He helps the hurting. And he does good to his enemies. How do I know that? Because he did that for me. And he does that for you. It's not on your outline, it's not on the screen, but Romans 5, 8 says this, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Mercy. Do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with God. What about you? Are you in need of God's mercy today? Listen, you don't want to leave this earth stand, standing before God and receive nothing but justice. Because we all fall short. We've all blown it. But Jesus, while we were sinners, died in our place. And if you will simply cry out to God, if you will give your life over to Christ, he will come into your life. He will forgive you of your sin. He will make everything that's been wrong right between you and God through his death, burial, and resurrection, through his blood that he shed on the cross for you. But he's waiting on you. He's waiting on you to receive him. And then once you receive him into your life, Coastal, listen. It's then our job to be people who, who live out that tender, loving mercy with the world around us. It's, it's, it's up to us to lead the way in being people of mercy. Are you ready to receive God's mercy? Bow your heads and pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, God, today, I thank you for your mercy. Thank you, Father, that you don't give us what we deserve, but because of Christ, you offer love and forgiveness and mercy. 
Listen, if you are here today and, and you are ready to receive the forgiveness of Christ, the mercy of God, pour your heart out to him right here and right now. Just pray something like this. Dear Heavenly Father, I have blown it. I am a sinner in need of mercy today. And God, I come before you. I humbly bow before your throne and I admit it. I'm a sinner. I'm a mess. I have blown it. But Father, today I ask for mercy not because of who I am or what I've done, but I ask for mercy because of Christ. I turn my life over to him. God, I believe, I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that he took my penalty. He took the payment of my sin on the cross. It was me that put him on that cross. And Father, today, I believe not only did he go to the cross for my sin, but he was buried in a tomb, and three days later, he rose from the dead, and he is alive. He is seated with you at the throne. He is your son, and today I ask him to be my Savior and my Lord, to give me mercy. And for the rest of my life, God, I just want to live for Jesus. God, I want to be that person who offers mercy to the world around me. Father, may we be that church. Thank you, Father. We love you, and I pray these things today in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, have a blessed day.